episode number 17 of the scoreboard podcast it is the second in the year and uh, we used the last episode to talk about how or what you expect for the afcon and i'm still rooting for ivory coast i'm sure you must have been seeing it you must have been hearing it <laughs> <laughs> right now i'm rooting for ivory coast for personal reasons so do bear with me at least to the crash out or we win to the crash out or we win i'm still supporting ivory coast welcome once again my name is olalu and marshall is here yeah thank you very much olalu and i'm still rooting for the senegalese they really have a strong squad and let's see what they do till the crash out or <laughs> we win <laughs> All right, it is the year 2022, a World Cup year, and uh, we'll still have a whole lot. The Australian Open is going on already, and uh, we're seeing how things are panning out as far as that is concerned. Of course, AFCON 2 is in full swing. Formula 1 starting sometimes in March, and uh, the NBA season still very much on. The UEFA Champions League will go on, and uh, we'll have a whole lot to look out for in the year 2022 and on this episode we just want to project into the future and uh, see what the future looks like i have a crystal ball in front of me right now and uh, it is telling me a whole lot we are here (laughs) (laughs) to reveal my name is Olaolua. let's uh, start with football with the UEFA champions league it also it is always not so uh, predictable until the knockout stages which we are set to go into right now and you can actually even still predict from the group stages which team will go all the way because right now especially let's look at real madrid with what they are doing right now it looks like they will go all the way chelsea started like a house on fire but same can't be said for them at least for now as a defending champion and for manchester city they have that grip on england they would go all the way they would do everything bully everybody but they won't go really far psg they are still pretending as far as i'm concerned they look like perennial uh, pretenders for me but let me have your thoughts about the champions league uh, I feel like it's going to be interesting and I've had these six favorites since the start of competition and I grouped them in this inverted pyramid order. So from the top, we have three huge favorites. Okay. We have Bayern Munich, okay. we have Manchester City and then we have Liverpool. And then the next two favorites, which are in the same bracket, are Paris Saint-Germain and Chelsea. And then the next favorite is Real Madrid. So that's six. They form like the so the favorite for, uh, of favorites. Real Madrid are your least favorites. They are my least favorite because at the end of the day, all these other teams also have equally good attacks, equally good midfields, equally good defense. Mm. But then the experience and then the finishing ability could also play a role. And for it's like Bayern Munich, they have Lewandowski. That's a lot of goals. Yeah, you know Real Madrid have a Karim Benzema, but then it's not as much as. Lewandowski give you. And then for City, it's spread out, but then they score a ton of goals. For Liverpool, they have the Salas, the Firmino, the Manes, the Jotas. Salah himself is is like up there. And then for Real Madrid, it's almost like Benzema, Vinicius, and then you're looking for the goals amongst every other person. And it's also the same thing with, say, Paris Saint-Germain. You know, they have Messi, Neymar, Mbappe. So it's, it's that order. So I feel like that's the way it could also look like. 
But then, you know, once the champion, you cannot have six teams win it. It has to be just yeah, one team. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, when you start pitting, that was, and the funny thing is, this prediction or this set of favorites had come like way before the draws were made. That's the knockout draws. Yeah. So, of course, when two of the favorites are pitted against each other, one has to go, and then we have five left. So, with PSG and Real Madrid facing off next month, definitely means one of them would be outside from the competition so it starts to lessen even further but i feel like it is from these five that the champions league will now do the match and now with the way things are currently going especially at chelsea i think now is a good time to rejig the tiers so let's have what we call martial tiers okay so let's go in the martial tiers where we have bayern city and liverpool they still are bayern city and liverpool so before it was bayern liverpool and city but City have climbed on an even higher pedestal. And, Ch- and Liverpool have shown some fragilities that you didn't usually see them yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. And same could be said for Bayern. But then Bayern, you expect them to be Bayern and to be this monstrous machine when it comes to this kind of tournament. So we'll leave Bayern as Bayern. And then we'd swap City and Liverpool. So Liverpool would now be third. And then City would be second. On the next tier, we're going to have PSG still remaining PSG. Hmm. And then for Chelsea, Chelsea would come down and then Real Madrid would come up. (laughs) And then for Chelsea, Chelsea would even kind of fall out of the discussion for now. Okay. And then be replaced by Ajax. Yeah. Because you look at Ajax, alongside Liverpool and Bayern. But I think the the best they can get to is probably the semi-final. Yes, semi-finals. That's good enough for top four. And right now, they are fifth on my tier. So, Hmm. It's, it's still kind of a, a zero-sum game right now. Yeah. So, I think for Chelsea, the reason why they are falling off is not because they've suffered injuries and then they've suffered woes, but then the team has looked disjointed from the start of December. And that was one of the reasons why they didn't top their group. Yeah, yeah. And that was a big, big shock for me because if you're in a group that has Juventus, a dead Juventus Malmo. side, if you're in a team that has... Yeah, a group that has Malmo, a team that has Zenit and Petersburg you really should be as the defending champion as the defending champion out of 18 points you should at least have 16 points and that's 16 but that, that looks like a blessing in these guys already going by their opponents in the next yeah round. it could have been worse so if you're in the champions league group stages and you're not topping your group you're getting handed Lille, which is a good thing i mean you show that you're avoiding the Bayerns, the Real Madrids, mm. knowing their antecedents when it comes to teams who are not informed, they could yeah. really maul you. Yeah. And then you're facing, excuse me, teams that are theoretically weaker than you are. So if you're facing these teams, at least be consistent on one front. And all these other teams I've mentioned, they're all really consistent when it comes to their league football. So they're all winning their games. They are either topping the league or very close to the top of the league. So Bayern Munich are runaway leaders right now. Yeah. City are looking like runaway leaders, leaders right now. Yeah. Liverpool, they've maintained their form and that's why they are dropping because they've really kind of been wishy-washy lately. Yeah. Paris Saint-Germain runaway leaders. Real Madrid looking like runaway, runaway leaders. leaders. So it's And for Ajax, of course, Ajax are actually second in the league, but then they've been very, very, very consistent this season. And the only reason why they're not top is because PSV have also been even greater when it comes to their consistency. But then PSV are not in this discussion, so we're going to leave them out for another day. Yeah, yeah. So for Chelsea, of late, they've not shown that consistency at all when it comes to not only the Champions League, which was why they finished second in their group, but also in league football. 
and these are things where you need to be at your best heading into the knockout stages of the Champions League. So, in the crystal ball, Chelsea right now have dropped out of the rankings. They could really come back on. That's the very funny thing about football. Yeah, yeah. Because when PSG and Real Madrid face off, one of them has to leave the table. Definitely. One of them would leave and then will create a gap for maybe Chelsea. To move up. Or one of that team to, to really show uh, what they can do. And, I mean, we're not talking about teams that have the potential to be a dark horse. And I think that's something that has also been a trend for the past five, six years now. Go where, all the way, less fancy teams. Yeah, less fancy all the team, way. dark horse. I mean, last year was really Chelsea because no one expected them to win that championship. I mean, league. look at how they started. Very chaotic starts for them and they sacked Frank Lampard. Everything changed. Got yeah. to the final of the FA Cup and the final the of Champions the, uh, the, the Champions you know, In 2019, it was Dortmund. In 2019, it was, it was Tottenham. You know, that made it all the way to the Champions yeah. League final. In 2018, it was Ajax. In 2017, it was Monaco. You know, so we've had this history of teams, you know, making those really deep Taking runs. Roads. You know, so it's something that could really happen. So I feel like this year, there's a dark horse we're not seeing yet that could really just not be known. And then is, is, just isn't Manchester United or, Atlet- or Atletico Madrid? It, it could really be one of them. You know, the funny thing is, it was that tied. I mean, we think... There really could be a dark horse here, you know. That's the exciting thing about about knockout football. I mean, yeah. look at twenty twenty. I didn't even talk about twenty twenty. Why didn't I talk about twenty twenty? <laughs> <laughs> RB Leipzig made a difference. Yeah. They got to the semi-finals yeah. of the of the Champions League. So PSG had never been to the uh, final of the Champions League. Well, you League might want before. to say the, the format adopted then really favored them too. Yeah, maybe, but then they made it to the semi-finals. Yeah, so it is, what it, is. it is what it is. So we saw we saw what they did, and it's it's no mean thing because a lot of people were thinking they would defeat Atletico Madrid, you know. So if they if they were able to defeat Atletico Madrid quite handily, then I think it showed the kind of quality that they have in their ranks. So that's one thing. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I feel like we could have another dark horse. But this year is just so everybody's just so strong and everyone really wants to win. It almost like there's another prize you get after you win the Champions League. Like yeah, there's a player yeah, that's going to be assigned yeah. with the, winning the Champions League. <laughs> so it is looking really, really fiery and really tough this year. Unlike last year, we had, we had a lot of not only injuries and that's also another factor. Yeah. Because right now, I mean, everyone is still looking all fair and good. But then COVID is going to play a role. Injury is going to play a role. Because trust me, if there were no injuries, maybe we are seeing Bayern as repeat champions going for the three-peat. Hmm. Because they really, really had a strong side last season. I always like to say this that Robert Lewandowski has not lost a Champions League game since March 2019. He has not drawn in a Champions League game either. He has won all of the Champions League games he has played since the start of the 2019-2020 season. So, guaranteed Lewandowski's feet, Bayern are odds on favourites to win. That's why for me they are number one on my power rankings. So, they need to get him feet. That's that's all. That's all they need they, to do. They, they need to get in feet, and uh, they would be just smiling to the title straight away. Yeah, let's you mentioned it a bit, but let's talk about the top five leagues, the winners for you. England almost sealed. Italy not certain yet. Uh, we've got Inter Milan, AC Milan, and maybe Napoli an outside chance for that one. And for Germany almost sealed. For France almost sealed. For Spain. Maybe not really sealed, but sort of sealed. But let's let's still look into the crystal. Yeah, ball. yeah. I mean, <laughs> crystal ball is brief. It's like Crystal Palace here. It's not. It's no longer a ball anymore. It's the whole thing, you know. So, so I feel I feel like for for City, it's their title to lose. And 
that's one really good thing about Pep Guardiola. He understands how these leagues work. So he has he has more or less cracked that art of yes. winning Bundesliga lives. I mean, the, the, the whole, whole thing. So, I mean, if he eventually goes on to win this, it'll be his fourth title in five years, which is more than he has ever done at any club. The most he has ever done is three mm. in four, which was what he did. So with. much for the most difficult league. So much league for the most league. difficult league in the world. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> quote unquote, you know. So in in the German Bundesliga. It's really been theirs to lose every year since 2012-2013 and that's just going to continue if you have who many consider the best player in the world football right now, Robert Lewandowski, that's most likely going to continue. In French football, Paris Saint-Germain, despite all of their inadequacies, all of their woes, because of the competing pack or the chasing pack, let's say, they really, really strict clear. So you really do not have a lot to worry about right there in the French league. And so that's almost settled. And then you look at the other teams that or the other leagues that could really be exciting this year that's the Italian Serie A yeah. and the Spanish Italian La Liga Italian Serie A has been really serving yes. us I was going to say this the, I mean I was going to say this since Sari left I mean since the last season Sari was at Napoli they've been serving that drama consistently although every, it's been every Juve was a heat. yeah it's been Juve running away with the title at the end of the day but it's been dramatic in the past couple of seasons yeah and I feel like it's not only happened recently. It's something that was bubbling, you know, back in 2015, 2016. Roma looked like they could really, really go all the way. But then, unfortunately, it didn't happen. They ended the season, I think, nine points behind. In 16-17, they had a very, very strong, a very, very strong squad too. And Napoli also had a strong squad in 15-16 because that was the year Iguain broke the yeah. goal record, 36 yeah. goals in the league. And then he joined Juventus. So it was almost like... It was it was like too much, you know, like someone from DC Universe joining the Marvel scene. Like mm-hmm. the Avengers are strong yeah. enough already. Yeah. Why are you adding this extra yeah. guy? So you know, so it's it was that way. And then by the 2017-2018 season, it was a real war between Napoli and Juventus. I remember yeah. when the, the the rivalry was at this peak when I think it was Napoli Sari taking his Napoli side to the Allianz Arena and then when he was driving the to the stadium, stadium his two middle fingers were up to the Itali- to the to the Juve fans yeah. like we are entering yeah. here we want to do something <laughs> here so it was really really exciting and remember when yeah. it was like one point for a very very very, very yeah. long yeah. time and it was that was a really exciting title to race and then by 2018-2019 Juve were like Okay, you you had Sari, you had your phone. I'm adding Ronaldo, so it was yeah. almost like back off from this league title. But then it was like the opposite because the fact, yeah, they won that league title, but it was not really as convincing. It didn't, come, it didn't come easy. It didn't come easy. And then the following season, they won it again, but it was hard fought. And then last season, I mean, it's it's like adding more and more water to to a kettle. At some point, it's going to overflow. <laughs> yeah, true. And last season was was the year for them, and I feel like it was also the addition of. Antonio Conte, who's also very, very well versed at winning the league, yeah. that really spurred that uh, revival from Inter. And despite the fact that he has gone, the groundwork that he has laid is what they're still on right now because there was a time when Inter were about four points behind Napoli. And then, yeah, and they had a game between themselves and Napoli. 
and they won that game against Napoli. If they had lost that game, they would have been seven points behind. But the fact that they won that game enabled them to keep pressure on um, the leaders. Yeah. And right now, they are four points clear at the top of the Serie A. And with every game, the rivals are not only losing players to injuries, but then they have been very, very inconsistent. And that's what you expect injuries from a young squad. Because COVID. the Milan squad, the youngest squad in, in, Engl- uh, in, in England, in, in Italy. So it's something that you expect from them. They are still really that's inconsistent. Why wants to go back. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's, the, the whole the whole Lukaku banter for the past two weeks has really, I've, really been. I've been enjoying. Oh, it. I mean, I've been enjoying. I really, I really cannot tell you how much it was. It was. It was interesting to see a player being and being honest. It, and if a friend of mine was saying that, you know, you know, there's this thing we we all grew up watching. You know, this Italian mafia really yeah, being dangerous yeah, and yeah. being scary. So someone was like maybe a member of the Changreta family reached out to Lukaku <laughs> and threatened him that you must come. Back. Come back, so he had to like wet the ground with them first before I'm, I'm returning. I'm back. Just, just calm down, just, I'm coming. Just leave me. Just I, leave I, me. I think I really enjoyed the past few days. And for lovers of dark humor, I, I know it is nowhere close, but it is Loki getting really close. Honestly, <laughs> it is Honestly, really it's, it was it was it was fun because the funny thing is that. Lukaku was saying it with so much seriousness and so much passion and every chance he had to to just mention up Chelsea. No, every chance he had to prop up Chelsea a little, yeah. you'd rather just talk about yeah. Inter. Like okay, well, Lorenzo is saying come to join you. No, no, no. no, no let me stay. I'll be back soon. Like, like why? <laughs> Honestly, anytime, anytime you want to, even though I know a Chelsea fan right now, yeah. just randomly mention Lukaku, Lukaku or just just send them one of that meme, one of the many, <laughs> many memes. Just send that picture with that brown top yeah. <laughs> and the lapel microphone is all over I mean it was it was so much and there were there were so many memes and I was someone was it was speaking about I think it was I can't remember what what the joke was and then they were like Lukaku was like I've apologized <laughs> I don't like I apologize to United fans, I apologize to Everton fans, to West Brom fans. But not held as as I'm passionate and apologizing to the Inter Milan fans. That guy. <laughs> well, let's uh, get back on track. Still about setting agenda. I mean, for Lukaku, comic relief for the next couple of uh, maybe till the end of the season, chat. But well, for every bad performance he has, uh-huh. it would definitely be linked to that interview. Yeah, let's go back uh, to setting agenda. It's a World Cup here. Uh, let's get done with football before we go to other sports. World Cup here. I look like what Louis Enrique is building with Spain right now. But I doubt if they'll be able to repeat what happened in the year 2010 in South Africa. And uh, for Africans, let's let's just forget about it. <laughs> we, we get to our second round. And, and go back to our, <laughs> our whole back, continent. And go back to our... But there are a lot of contenders right now. There are a lot of contenders. I, I'm still giving Germany an outside chance to do something, to do something... I'm giving Germany an outside chance, giving Spain an outside chance, and maybe last dance for Lionel Messi. We are still not sure if either Portugal or Italy will be going to the World Cup. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be very, very interesting because uh, I was going to talk about Germany because I love what uh, Hansi Flick has been able to do with the 
teams he's managed so far. I mean, Ansi Flick. Because he yeah. was there when they won the last World Cup. He was an assistant to yeah. uh, Joachim Love yeah, at Joachim that Love. World yeah. Cup tournament before he went to join Bayern Munich. And we saw what he was able to do with Bayern. And in the time he's been managing Germany so far, we've seen what he's been able to do. And it feels like another decade of German football at the highest of levels. They might not win the tournament, but they would really play goal football yeah. and they really go they would have a deep run. So I think it was for about eight straight tournaments where they were almost making the semifinals because they were the semifinals in the Euro 2008. They were actually the finalists. They were the losing finalists in Euro 2008. They were the semifinals of the 2010. They were the semifinals. They lost to Italy in the semifinals of Euro 2012. They won the World Cup in 2014. Mm. They got to the semifinals of Euro 2016. So that was like eight or five straight tournaments yeah. and every two years that's like 10 years already yeah. of, of doing really great work for themselves and it's something that has become part of i mean they were also at the the semi-finals of the world cup in 2006 too so yeah. it's something that has really been As with hosts. them for yeah they were hosts yeah. of the 2006 yeah. world cup so it's something that has really been with them for a very a very long time and that's i feel that's also where you start to see the, the current work that maybe Luis Enrique is also doing with the Spanish national team, you know, mm-hmm. where they're all trying to create another decade mm-hmm. of yeah, with, excellence. With the Pedri and the rest. And and it's it's also interesting because France began theirs in twenty eighteen and nearly every tournament since then they've looked like favorites. Because yeah. not only do they have the attack, they have the midfield to boot, they have the defense. And they have a really good goalkeeper, and it's it's very difficult to have that mesh all around. Every other team that we've mentioned, they have holes. Spain don't have a goal scorer. Spain don't have a proven number one yet. Yeah, you'd say the guy is back to form, but then Louis Enrique prefers Unai Simon. Yeah, over know, David here. Over David here. You look at the defense; is not exactly the one screaming defensive solidity. They can pass the ball out of the back. They can do really good things with their feet on the ball, but then can they really defend as well as they should or as well as some other teams can? So that's that's the question mark. And for Germany, they also have scoring issues because you're not going to rely on Timo Werner in a tournament <laughs> when you're going to get like... Timo Werner we know. At least it's exactly at least it's Timo Werner we know. And the French have it almost everywhere yeah, from wingers everywhere so it's, it's really well, going to be you'd difficult probably, you'd probably say the French guys are aging or they are not consistent at least I mean Ungo, if Ungo you Kante say is main look not, not really not, the thing is even if Ungolo Kante doesn't play there yeah. are a lot of players yeah, who could I, really I, come I mean, in I mean the French guys you, you can't compare the firepower they've got right now to what they had in the 2018 in the 2018 World, World Cup, Cup, they had an 18-year-old Mbappe yeah. who was just getting into his own. Yeah, they had an Olivier Giroud who did not what score a single goal yeah. at that World Cup I'm tournament. Sure he had a shot on target. He, he had, he had a shot on target, yeah. but then he did not score a single goal yeah. at that World Cup tournament. They had an Antoine Griezmann who was in his element but was not really prolific. And right now they have a Karim Benzema they had Paul Pogba. form. Yeah, they have Paul Pogba. And the current World Cup that's coming, they will also still have Paul Pogba. Yeah. And Pogba tends to play better for France than he plays for his club sides. Yeah, yeah. So they have a Karim Benzema on form and who has been on fire for the last two or so years. They would have a Kylian Mbappe who would be who has been one of the best players in world football ever since the last World Cup. So he has really, really grown in leaps and bounds. 
And the last three tournaments they've entered for, they've won two of them. And the one they did not win was the one against was the European Championships where they lost on penalties to Switzerland after they blew a 3-1 lead with 10 minutes to go. So yeah. that could be one of ticked off exactly. Yeah. Not only as a one-off, but maybe they just let it get into their head yeah. like the game is all yeah. over. I mean, Karim Benzema was off of that game. Antoine Griezmann, I think, was also not in the game. Because it was like the game was all over, and then the Switzerland guys they really came in, and we, we saw what they were able to do. And somehow saving Mbappe's penalty, and it just ended what really was a woeful time, not only for Mbappe but then for the French national team. So you would you would really be be a strong man to bet against the French going all the way again because to defend their title, to defend the title. title, and it's not only like I said because they have so many good players. But then all other rivals who could really stand a chance have deficiencies, you know. It's not like that Spain side of the 2010 where they had a really good goalkeeper, perfect defense, perfect midfield, and then they had one of the best strikers in the world back then in, in David Villa and, uh, and Fernando Torres, you know. The Italians had Mario Balotelli at Euro 2012. Ronaldo was the key man for Portugal right there at Euro 2016. And for, for the Germans, we know the kind of firepower they had at the 2018 the World team. Cup. Brazil would would give you echoes <laughs> of what happened uh, right there. So it's and also for, for, the, for the for the <laughs> and also for the Germans, you know, they have had a lot of key players retire. You know, Tony Cruz, who is just 31, has retired from international football. Yeah. And so they are still missing a little bit of that experience gap added to the lack of sturdy firepower. So that's also where I feel like they would be lacking. And for the Spaniards, they have a they have this gap where it's a mixture of just old guys and just young guys. Nice. There are no guys in their primes, guys who have been in the game for eight years and still have a lot left in the tank. Yeah. You know, so it's either you're not you're not in the middle. You're either a young guy who is just getting into the international game or you're an old guy who's ready to leave it all behind. So yeah. it can be difficult when it comes to the later stages of the tournament because you don't know, okay, do we go with the, do we go with the experienced guys who are about a bit older on their legs and have to chase players all around for 90 minutes or do we go with the young guys who can run around but then they don't have that technical expertise or that finesse you know, to go all the way. So it's, it's really a bit of everything. So as I said, for me, I think the French would still be the favourites. And whichever team emerges between Portugal and Italy could also have something to say. Go all the way. Yeah, maybe a last dance. You're not giving Argentina any outside chance. Uh, South American football. Pff, man, I, I feel like the quality has dropped. Yeah, it has really dropped. It's I, I dropped. mean, the, the, there was no... I think in the last couple of years, no player has really emerged as we used to see they no longer emerge like that and i mean the ones who have been running the show they are not getting any younger and i, I think that has been their problem i mean for uruguay right now luis suarez and edison cavani they've been there for ages and you can't point to one, one young stri- uruguayan yeah, striker that can say, okay, they, they have young uruguayan strikers but then no guys level, will take that yeah, yeah. That, that's what i'm saying and same thing too can be said for chile too uh it is they are not they are not really there 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 like that so well like you said we can like I all like, global warming <laughs> <laughs> or climate change or climate change but for for real i said earlier that it, it might be a sort of last dance they've won the copa america and they might just want to take it all the way to maybe just win the world cup and let's just wrap it up and after the final game the messi with grant's interview <laughs> 
from international football. Still looking into the future. Let's talk transfers with the emphasis on free transfers or major movements. Talking free transfers, Popoba is his contract is still. Rodriguez's contract is still. Mbappe can start signing overseas contracts right now, pre-contracts. And a couple of other guys too. Lewandowski wants to taste life in the Premier League at almost 35. I mean, yeah, almost 35. And looking at all of this, let's look at the future. Haaland has the potential to move. Mbappe wants to move. Uh, Pogba might move. Harry Kane. Harry Kane, City wants to try once Again. more. Dusan Vlahovic. Yeah, to uh, us now we are hearing. Let's look at the future and let's uh, uh, do some permutations, Masha. Well, uh, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting because I was I was one of those who called the free agency boom last summer. Yeah, I, we, we did one whole episode. We did, we did an episode on it. Yeah. And I'm glad that we are seeing a lot more of that happening because at the end of the day, players start to realize that maybe it actually means a lot more when you're free agent yeah. than when you let these clubs decide your fate, you know. And it's also interesting to see how well PSG were able to wrap that free agency I mean, market. Masters of... Uh, they really, really got a lot of good deals. well from Juve. Yeah, you know. And it's also going to be interesting to see how this summer pans out because we're hearing so many contrasting news. But then nearly every elite team needs a striker. So City needs a striker. Arsenal wants a striker. Chelsea have a striker, but if you give them an elite striker, they They'll wouldn't take, mind. Yeah. Paris Saint-Germain know they might be losing Kylian Mbappe, so they are looking striker. at getting a striker. But they are not looking at the top striker, going by the names being peddled around. Yeah, that's the thing with Paris Saint-Germain. Nobody knows who they're signing until you hear the news. I mean, when, before they signed Neymar. I mean, the, the names are no, they are not as exciting as you would expect Paris Saint Germain to go for. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's who talks about a certain Anthony Marcia in PSG conversation? <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the French sentiments, or oh, yeah, I, I, I see you know, in the quality yeah, at that level yeah. of, of Paris Saint Germain and. I mean, it's it's been one problem for Paris Saint-Germain, you know, team building, but they really have not been one to publicize their moves. And I feel like Paris Saint-Germain have bigger fish to fry. You know, keeping Mbappe is one, sorting out their managerial change if they're going to be having any is one, mm. sorting out their midfield is one. They added and the defense too. They added... Well, for the defense, I feel they, they have good players. But they are not coming to the party. Yeah, they're not coming to... Of course, I mean, they've not had the consistency. They've not really played alongside each other for a long time. And when you're not getting as much help as you need from your midfield and your attack, it can be too too much pressure on defence. And, you know, for, for a side like Paris Saint-Germain, I'm a bit surprised they're not going all out for a Paul Pogba because Paul Pogba is French. He understands the role of playing in the midfield. And that's a team that would really suit him to a T, you know. And you can even use Paul Pogba as base to convince other free agents or other potential signings. Like, yeah, just like, did, just like they did, just like they did last, last summer. summer. So it's one thing they can really, really use. And it's interesting to it'll be interesting to see the kind of moves they make. And for Paris and for uh, Manchester City, this summer is also going to be quite important for them because they lost Sergio Aguero last summer. They lost Ferran Torres this winter, and that's yeah. two of their striking options. So that means they really need to get a striker. But who? We're hearing 
rumors linking them with Vlahovic. We are hearing rumors linking them with Haaland. We are hearing rumors linking them with Kane. So we're really not sure who exactly it is they'll be going for yet. And Arsenal are also not batting an eye. They really want to get Vlahovic yeah. in. And, you know, we're hearing... As early as this winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're hearing that uh, uh, Christoph Piontek is on his move from Eartha Berlin Piontek to... was running the show. Yeah, back in time. Uh, yeah, some 2018, 2019. He was, he was really the hot guy yeah. that, that summer. Yeah. You know, Piontek has moved from Eartha Berlin to... Uh, Fiorentina, so some are seeing it as an early replacement for uh, Vlahovic when or if or when he leaves this winter. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Vlahovic, but I feel it's going to be a merry-go-round. So because there are some teams that everyone knows they're getting this player. So like Mbappe, it's almost like nine or guarantee that he's going to Real Madrid. Madrid. You know, so for a player like Ellen Holland, you know, the question is, do you want to partner with Mbappe at Real Madrid? Or do you want to stay, or do you want to go try to your luck elsewhere? You know, go to maybe a, a city side. And Laporta is saying they Laporta. might sign him too. I mean, I, I, I really I really don't know where Laporta is getting all of those confidence. I mean, I mean that, that, he said, We are back. <laughs> like, go, and tell, go and tell the whole world that we are back. <laughs> Like, dude, I understand it's your second coming, but you're not Jesus Christ. I mean, it really, really made so much you noise know, after signing Ferran Torres. And I was wondering, City played them. Yeah. Because City got Ferran Torres 18 months ago. City got Ferran Torres for, for 20, 20 million from Valencia. From Valencia. And you're paying 65 million over four years. Money you don't have yet. <laughs> you're still owing people. And you are still planning the Ferrantores you 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 just acquired. You need to let players go before you can register him. Even register him. And you are talking about Haaland. Haaland is operating in the stratosphere. (laughs) Haaland, because if you're going to get Haaland, you're going to get a lot of. You're going to pay Borussia Dortmund a lot of money first because it's going to be a bidding war. Yeah, yeah. You're going to pay Mino Raiola a lot, a lot of, of money. money. A lot, truckload of money. You're going to pay half in Shalan a lot of money. The father. And lastly, the player himself is going to get his own court. Yeah, yeah. You're going to play, you're going to pay. It's looking like Haaland. the Neymar, Neymar deal all over again. Yeah, really, really, because looking that like Neymar the, deal was, he was involved in so many. And that was one of the things that led to the downfall of Sandro Rosso. And and uh, and Bartomeu really in in that yeah. in that Neymar board. Yeah. So it, uh, in the, in the Barcelona, Barcelona board, board. Yeah. So it's something that Laporta should not only be wary of, but then at the end of the day, if you if you mortgage your future to sign Haaland, yeah, it will finish his tenure and leave. Who are you? Who are you partnering Haaland with? So it's it's the many things Haaland himself has to think about. So you know you you don't want to leave a Dortmund situation for a similar situation where you're not in the running for major titles you're just there scoring goals by the truck with everyone yeah. knows you're good but then you have no silverware to show for it and that was one of the reasons why Hurricane really wanted to leave last summer and that was I feel he would be on the move this summer so it might not be to City because if I, City, I understand City wants to test uh, Tottenham's resolve once again I mean like, that's that's the ideal thing to do because Hurricane looks like someone who's not only telling me for the English game but he would really 
be that I would really love him to be that one who breaks uh, Alan Shearer's record because I see him as someone who could. He's not really been it this season at all, yeah, and that's no. because it's I mean been, it's, it's been really it's been really it's terrible really for him. A tough time. I mean, from England losing the final of uh, the Euros and uh, the field transfer thing too. I, mean, like I really, really yeah, I've been talking about the transfer since like March. Yeah, you know, yeah. he really wanted to make that move to City, and it's interesting to see because if he had made the move to City, I mean, he would be on his first way to he'd be on the way to his first Premier League title now. Yeah, so it's it's just like. Be looking I didn't at make the move. And for, for, each, that for each Tottenham, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like City. Yeah, we're like ah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if, sure if, City, if, if City, if City runs to winning another game again, King will be like ah. Ogao. <laughs> and I, I would also like to see what Levy does this summer because if you're having a manager like Antonio Conte, as early as this winter, Antonio Conte wants to meet him to get as much as possible. He said he's done with his assessment of the team and he wants to meet the board to sign players as early as this January. And you know, we we, we only keep talking about Pep Guardiola as being the checkbook manager, and we've not even talked about Antonio Conte as being that checkbook manager. Every manager that has ever won something has won something because of, of the checkbook whether yeah. we like it or not yes. yeah. because it takes good players to play on good teams alright let's move away from football although we still have a couple of things to say but we have to move on to other sports for Grand Slams this year and uh, for the main singles we've got uh, Roger Federer we've got uh, Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic the controversial Novak Djokovic, Djokovic himself, and uh, for the women, I can't predict really. Really, <laughs> really cannot predict. Maybe Naomi yeah, Osaka yeah. might come back into her element. Imara Dukanu is somewhere in the picture, and uh, the rest of the chasing pack, Bianca inclusive Andrescu yeah, Bia- Bianca Andreescu is somewhere. And uh, I'm sorry for the Serena fans. I can't mention Serena Williams in this conversation. Sorry, the streets follow. Just follow that people now. Serena fell off. I can't mention. I'm covering my. I'm a, I'm a big Serena fan, but I cannot mention right now. It's uh, yeah, really you know, sad. The, funny, the funny thing is, she could actually win a Grand Slam this year, and then it would just really go under the radar because we've expected it to happen it's so long. Much. Yeah. And then it just like. Finally, so I think it'll just be like that. But let's talk about uh, the guys Djokovic with uh, everything he faced or is currently facing. I I think he's done quite well for himself and he's got a couple of years ahead of him. And it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Not even when. When is maybe by the end of this year, we'll be looking at Djokovic being at least one or two uh, more than the rest of the chasing pack. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how everything eventually pans out because, you know, we've been seeing the whole controversies surrounding uh, Novak Djokovic with the whole restrictions and all. And, you know, what's to say that in France, it would not be the same. Yeah. Or the Wimbledon would not be the same. A flushing it's, it's been, been confirmed be that we'll play at the French Open already. Yeah. So, you know, of course, that, that's great news for him. Yeah. But then, the French Open has never really gone up his strong suits. Yeah. So but at least he'll play. Which is, yeah, of course. I mean, throw his hat in the room. It's a good thing for him. Yeah. But then, there are there are really so many things about Djokovic. But I, I feel it's not really about this year for Djokovic. 
you know, he could really be next year where he, he starts to extend his own lead. And you wonder those who are coming behind when they would have to start racking up their own grand slams. You know, because Andrea Gasti was on 14 for so long that when, Nova, when Roger Federer started piling up grand slams, people were wondering whether he would even meet Pete Sampras, you know, not talk of uh, whether I would meet Andrea Gassi, not Pete Sampras, because Pete Sampras was only had 14 for so long. And then Roger Federer came along, and then Rafael Nadal came along too. And they're like, okay, these two guys, they'll be fighting with each other, and none of them will get to that amount. And about three or four years into their reign, a certain Novak Djokovic just popped up and was absolutely monstrous. And it's, it's been really nice to see how well they've all just done so well for themselves that three of them now have 60, 60 Grand Slam titles. And it's just so mind-boggling to think about because before now, the most awards used to be, the most Grand Slam titles used to be 14. And now we have three men all tied on 20. And each one has this historical land from where yeah. they just stand and it's almost like whenever I enter this place I'm on God mode like nobody's yeah, touching nobody's me touching me yeah. so it's it's really been really nice to see and that's why I wonder the guys who are going to be taking over from them when are they going to start the takeover process I mean it's well, not those, 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 so long yeah right? those guys have been pretenders for so long so it, it's almost like sorry to cut you it's almost like when we're saying Neymar and Hazard are going to win the next Ballon, Ballon d'Or, d'Or and then the next Ballon d'Or came and it has gone mm-hmm. several and times. Neymar is even get, and, Neymar and is getting like, closer to retirement than and closer and to Ballon d'Or. Ballon d'Or. <laughs> you know that when you're playing a game and you're removing cursor from this guy's yeah. like, let me put the cursor on this guy's head because it looks like this guy is born. He's, that he's closer good. to retirement than Ballon d'Or right so now. It's, it's, it's really been, been a, bad, a bad time to follow athletes in this era because you look across several sports where it's the same thing in in american football it's the same thing in basketball it's the same thing in tennis it's the same thing in football it's the same thing in formula one where of course apart from everything that happened with uh max verstappen and lewis hamilton yeah. where uh lewis eventually lost the title on the last lap to, to max verstappen but we had waited for so long like this next gen when are they going to start Come. their own gen yeah you know so it's like <laughs> maybe they don't have four years <laughs> <laughs> So there are just maybe there's So there's really been that that succession gap in in, in sports. So it, it's I hope that this year starts the whole process. You know, for not only for teams, uh, but for for individuals and and in tennis guys that could really do a lot of good work. Dominic Thiem, Alexander Zverev. You know, these guys we've had high hopes on them yeah, for and very, we've been very long. Expecting them. to actually just do yeah. something, yeah. do something and. Uh, well, the last U.S. Open we saw, I think, it was Dominic Thiem win win that one after Novak Djokovic had fouled out yeah, earlier in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. De- uh, he defaulted, sorry, for hitting at the tennis ball at one of the umpires. So we hope that this this year would be a handing over process because at the end of the day, <laughs> Rafael, Rafael Nadal uh, looks like time is taking its yeah, toll. The injuries. Roger Ferrer looks like age is taking its toll on him, and Novak looks like the only one who could really be there. But then that's it's like common sense and, is also taking its toll yeah. on him. Too. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say to that if uh, Djokovic is his own enemy right Maybe. now, whatever it is, he stands to achieve. It is based on him. The US Open you just talked about, it could have gone ahead to, to win. win. But because of off-field 
or off court antics. He lost that, which is really sad. Let's talk about Formula One. Last season was not a good one for Formula One fans. For Marshall, <laughs> <laughs> last year was a very good one. Well, side note, Marshall is a very great Lewis Hamilton fan. And how else do you explain the agony of a not just a Formula One fan, but a Lewis Hamilton fan? <laughs> if not, take a look back at what happened on the final day of last season Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton led for most part of that race, and what happened happened. It, uh, uh, Max Verstappen was declared winner three times. Winner on the podium yeah. <laughs> after yeah, the stewards check and after Mercedes said okay they were not <laughs> they were not pursuing it again so he he matched winner three times I mean trials of brother Max but it is what it is we go again this season I'm a lucky fan of Lewis Hamilton too but we go again this season and it gets really difficult at this point Max is the defending champion Lewis wants to show that everything that happened last season happened because it happened because when you look at it really he didn't have the best of seasons starting from even the contract situation it was given one year that's quite absurd and it was not the Lewis Hamilton we used to know and well as much as we want to say that so we have to give kudos to Max Verstappen albeit crashes there and there it wasn't his win wasn't a, a, a smooth or clean win that you'd expect from a uh, Formula 1 world champion but either hook or crook is a world champion today so what should we expect in this season and we've got a couple of exciting guys to coming up the ranks Bottas has left Mercedes and uh, we'll see what happens uh, to the guys in that team and the rest of the teams too yeah it's, it's also interesting because if Lewis Hamilton had won that world championships it would be the first time that a team has dominated all through the period of a sporting regulation. So in the Turbo Hybrid era that in the Turbo Hybrid era that began in 2014, Mercedes have been the constructors and, and the drivers. drivers champion from 2014 up until 2020. 2021 they won the drivers the constructors championships but then they lost in the drivers championship on the last lap of the last race the of last the, day of the season of the Formula 1 season so that was near dominant as you can have dominance and we have new regulations coming up in 2023 in 2022 and it's it's going to be interesting too to see what happens with the guys right there not only in Mercedes but across the park now Honda was supposed to be leaving the sports at the end of this season uh, at the end of the last season that was mm. where they put so much energy into yeah, the engine uh, of a Red Bull. they put so much work into that engine and that was what led to their dominance that's a Red Bull but then I think you know it's like it taste glory and like oh man this is so sweet so on that will be doing Red Bull scarf that will be back for next season and yeah. even up until 2023 so and the fact that because I was have, I was thinking let's see what Red Bull will be up to without, with, Honda. without Honda yeah 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 I was really really wanting to see what they would also look like too but you know now that they would be partnering and we have new sporting regulations coming up so we have a new set of era we have new tires new drs caps new wing caps new the car is even going to look very very different a lot more streamlined so there are different different things you know cars will be allowed to follow each other some more you know you won't have dirty air from the car in front preventing you from getting your own maximum speed yeah. you'll be able to get tools if you're following the car really really closely so it's going to allow for closer racing and it's going to allow for smoother overtakes and we won't really have all of the long drawn out process of 
wearing tire heavily because the tire regs have also changed so there are a lot of things that has changed so, so that, that that brings us to the pits uh with the pitings be reduced too yeah the, the, pit, the pits uh time has changed at the start of last season where it was announced that teams uh the cars are going to have to slow down a lot more in the pit lane so before it used to be i think 80 kilometers per hour but then for last season it was now 60 kilometers per hour so the time you lose in the pit lane increase from i think 22 seconds on average to 25 seconds on average which everybody does because yeah. we all everyone yeah and the thing is in the rule book you must pit at least once in, in a the race, race. You must be at least once in a race. So if you decide to pit twice, you're doing this at your own period. But you must pit at least once in a race. So that for safety, for safety reasons, the tire yeah. doesn't get blown up. Because we saw that a lot last season. And I think that was one of the reasons why they decided to push the tire regs even further up. Because in Baku, there were a lot of tire outbursts. We saw it in Britain. I think in 2020 season two, we saw where Lewis Hamilton had to finish. The, he drove half a lap on three tires. You know, so that's not exactly what you want. And there were a lot of tire busts. A lot, of, a lot of Tiger bust the last season so you don't want to see that because you don't want to drive a perfect race from start to finish and then you have an MGUK failure or then your tire just spoils and then makes you lose the race so it's, it's really going to be something to, to watch out for this season Alright, as we close let's look at uh, basketball and the NFL you know, I, I deliberately <laughs> I, I didn't really decide to just uh, leave uh, you to the NFL for basketball I... I don't know, LeBron James. I mean, he has won the ring with the Lakers and that's really like the be-all and end-all if, if we're left to me. But then, you know, you can only do so much. When, you're, when your co-stars are not coming to the party, there's so much you can do. And the last four games for LeBron, he's been really superlative. He's been doing very, very well for himself. And then I think soon Anthony Davis will be coming back. So we'll see how well Anthony Davis will mesh with LeBron. And we'll also see how AD, LeBron and Ross, Russell Westbrook, would also mesh together. And the playoffs in the American football will be starting very, very soon. Last weekend was the round 18, which is the first time we're having 18 weekends. So it's also going to be interesting to see how that happens because uh, there, there are several teams that I'm really looking at what they could do. In the AFC, for instance, we have the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of people predict them to eventually come out from the AFC. And we have teams like the Rams. They could really do the early Rams. They could. They have a star-studded team, so they could really, really cause a lot of havoc. The Cincinnati Bengals, they could also cause a lot of havoc right there with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase doing fantastic work for themselves. I was watching their game two weeks ago against the Chiefs and Jamar Chase was literally tearing through uh, the park right there for the, uh, for the Bengals. And over in the NFC where you have Tom Brady, you have Aaron Rodgers. They are still the ones that expect to get to the NFC Championship game. Aaron Rodgers, of course, because he's not only very regular at what he does, but then he has really, really great receiving packs or receiving core. And for Tom Brady, he lost Antonio Brown and he lost Lenny Fournette. So we wait to see how that would pan out. But then they would also still remain on the favorites to emerge from the NFC. And so I think for me, 2022 Super Bowl would be between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers once again. All right. For episode 17 of the Scoreboard Podcast, it is a wrap. Thank you very much, Marshall, for the analysis on this episode as always. Yeah, thank you very much, everyone. I hope the listeners enjoy listening to this as much as we enjoy talking about it. All right. Until next time, when you hear from us, my name is Ola Olua. Thank you very much for always taking your time to listen and do enjoy yourself. Thank you.